Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Lynn Stacy Studios podcast. I'm so glad that you could join us for this episode. Um, with me today, I have a special guest, uh, Mr. Julius um, Lever. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad that you could join us on today. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, yes, I am a lifelong resident of the city of Pine Bluff, Jefferson County. I attended uh, a Catholic school in my elementary years and I went on to uh, public schools in the junior high. Then I went on to college at age 16. I graduated at age 19, majoring in business administration. My desire was to rush through college and become an attorney. But in the meantime, I decided to open a retail clothing store, started off out of my trunk to gain some money, to have some money to go to law school. And I didn't know it was so difficult. It is really difficult to open a clothing store. And so I never made it to law school. Several years later, I thought about going to law school. But by that time, I was halfway in the business and stumbling and learning. And I decided to keep on that path. And I kept on that path for many years, for about 20 years. And then I had a terrible accident that made my ability to function less than it should have been. And I had to close the business. My mother ran, had allowed somebody to run it, but they couldn't run it like I did. Because I had 20 years of building it up and learning things. And it's hard to replace a person that's been working on something 20 years. So I'll stop at that, if you don't mind. Okay. So you said that you had been building something for 20 years, and you went, you tried law school, but that, you wanted to open up your own clothing business? Yeah, okay. Well, let me, let me so, go back again on that, if you will. Can I clarify? Okay, yeah, go yes. ahead. Well, basically, is a ch- child growing up in the 70s, I had a job at a grocery store at age 13. I left home on a motorcycle. I put a shirt and tie on, and I said I wasn't coming home until I got a job. And that day, I did receive a job at a grocery store. When I went to that grocery store, it was very few blacks working in the grocery store. The city was 50-50, but it was a major grocery store, like Super 1 is now. It was Kroger's. Kroger's right now is the number one grocery store in the United States. Well, anyway, when I got there, I made a small amount of money. But I noticed they hired someone that was opposite of race than I was, and they hired that person at a higher salary and gave him a more prestigious job. And that put me on notice then of the irregularities of our system of government, and I decided to basically watch and monitor. And for several years I did that, and at the two or three years later I decided I, had, I wanted to be self-employed. So I wanted to become an attorney so I could fight some of the injustices that I saw that were happening at that time. And so I planned to go to law school. But in order to have some money to go to law school, I decided to open a small business so I could take a leave of absence from my job and I could sell clothing and then go to law school. Sell clothing go to law school. Every evening I want to sell clothing to earn money for gas and living expenses. But when I got in the clothing business, theft began to happen so much when I wasn't there, I decided to stay and try to make a, a a business out of it, and I did for 20 years. For 20 years? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. It sounds like you, um, you've you experienced a lot in your lifetime. And um, for, in, for those, well, you guys wouldn't know, but uh, Mr. Julius is, um, has 64 years of experiencing um, different things in his life. And um, something that I noticed that he talked about, um, and he's, I've heard him had conversations with him in private, um, he talked about the irregularities that um, he was facing because he was living in a different time period than where we are right now. And... Um, like, how did that, um, I guess, how did you overcome that? Like, um, what? Well, I will say this to you. Irregularities are built in the American way. The country was founded and built upon irregularities, and they still exist. As of today, our governor just yesterday, on April 22nd, which is considered Earth Day. Very nice. And I know a young girl born on Earth Day. She's two years old now. Well, anyway, uh, the governor 
just told the federal government that he did not want the state of Arkansas to accept $146 million for rental assistance. So you have so many females out there that have husbands, boyfriends that's incarcerated in the judicial system, either in jail temporarily, on their way to prison, or in prison sometimes for six months to 20 years. And sometimes when you don't have a mate, sometimes you don't have a husband, sometimes you have a boyfriend to help. Sometimes a woman with a child have a difficult time maintaining her financial strength. And so they get behind on their rent. And then the governor says we don't want $146 million. And they also let $9 million go back to the federal government not too long ago. So I noticed there are U-Haul trucks all over Pine Bluff. Women driving U-Haul trucks. No husband, no boyfriend driving those trucks, but the women are driving those trucks with U-Haul fulls of furniture because they've been forced to leave the homes that they were in. And I say that is not what I want to see. So we are still facing irregularities, and I practice daily on ways to pray to my creator to help me to understand how I can help solve some of those problems. Well, I think that's awesome that you want to help solve some of those problems. Now, I think it's interesting. Um, now, I didn't um, know anything about it, but $146 million um, is kind of like, uh, why would you um, deny um, someone okay. the assistance of that much money well, well, and send take, it back? Why? Well, why take, well, he, his real rationale, and you can read it today, and it just came out yesterday, so it's all over the Internet. It's in the news now. He said that there were plenty of jobs available in Arkansas, and we didn't need the money. By goodness, how many people in Pine Bluff would like to have a reasonable job? There are so many people leaving Arkansas <laughs> because um, because of the limited work um, opportunities that Arkansas has. There are people actually leaving Arkansas that is and looking for a seeking other opportunities. So that's kind of like um, opposite of what um, so, actually occurs. You, but, but, you know, I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed that we people of my age and some younger have allowed this to happen to allow our, our our government to be doing this to the young people. I'm just so ashamed that we're not stronger. Now, I will say this. There are parts of Arkansas that's doing well, namely the Fayetteville, the Rogers area, where Walmart is. Walmart is the largest business in the world, and they're headquartered in Arkansas. So there's a lot of money in the northern parts of Arkansas. But down in the Delta, we were farmland all the time, uh, Stuttgart, uh, Star Tame, City, yeah. Grady, Tamo, Sherrill, we were all agriculture, and that had machines to replace the people who were working those agriculture farms, and now they're coming up with driverless tractors. So after a while, a landowner will be able to sit in his house and, and get on his computer and tell the computer to tell the tractor where to go. So our employment is in shambles in this part of Arkansas, and I think he does not under the governor simply does not understand that. I don't think he's a non-caring person, even though some Republicans can seem like they're non-caring. I think he just um, just don't know. He don't know the suffering that's taking place in in Pine Bluff. He don't recognize that Pine Bluff is surrounded by prisons. We're the only city, major city in, in Arkansas, that got three or four prisons around us. So all the people who commit crime, even from outside of Arkansas, they be released in Arkansas around Pine Bluff, and they can't leave Pine Bluff even when they get out of prison because they're on parole. And so those persons get $150 when they leave prison. How can a man make it with $150 when 
leaving prison, and he got a wife in Chicago, he got a wife in Dallas, he got a girlfriend in Houston that got babies, and she said, you got a prisoner, you're supposed to be helping him, you ain't even helping him for 10 years, how can he help when he get $150? And then how can a grown man, 40 years old, 36 years old, I've been in prison 10, 12 years, go to McDonald's for a job? Because them boys at McDonald's at 18 got a new charger, they ain't going to give up their job because they want to drive a new charger. And they charge them $130 a month for insurance, for $500, $600, $700 for car notes. And then gas at $3 a gallon. So what did these prisoners do when they got out of prison with $150 to survive? And so at some point, they start committing crimes. And then they talk about how bad people are in the area of fine blood. But you're causing it by not giving some people some financial support. Please forgive me for so much conversation. About oh, that. no, it, it's all right, because it tells me that you're passionate about it and you want to see people come up and you want to see people succeed. And so um, that means that... Um, it's not just about um, the people in Palm Bluff committing the crimes. It's also about um, those who are in positions to help taking responsibility yeah, for what's is, going on within the city. That is correct. And That's also, correct. like, um, because when you have, um, when you are in a better financial state, then you tend to do better. Um, right. And so um, and there too. are also things in place that actually block um, it's not just sometimes the lack of jobs, but sometimes, or lack of resources, sometimes it's just um, there are different um, things in place that actually block. Um, what you were talking about the prisoners and things yeah. that actually block them, their records block them from yeah, being that, able that to is, is um, get like um, maybe an affordable job in office. That's based true. Because of oh, the, okay, for some agencies like Goodwill, Goodwill, for example, they hire a lot of persons in and out of prison, with male and female. But when you're a lot of prisoners, to get those jobs. What about the person who's not committed a crime? They can't get the job of goodwill because the prisoner who got out of prison is getting a job. So it still causes a problem of financial instability. And I will say this, as the scriptures are there for our learning, I don't see no disciple of Christ that would readily, easily see these things and don't speak up about it. And today, we have many, many people that preach the gospel on Sunday, but they don't say nothing about these issues. So basically, what you're saying is, and I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go and agree with you. Basically, what you're saying is not just um, the people in the city, it's not just um, the people in um, governmental positions, but it's also the church has to step in and play a role too, because they, we have to be a light of Christ. We're the light of the world. We're Amen. supposed to also provide their, those resources and tools and things to help people come back up, because God is a, He's a restoring God. Amen. But this is what I heard a long time ago. You know, I listen and learn things, and some things agree with. That I hear. And this is something I heard some time ago, some years ago, but I, I believe it's true. They said sometimes the preachers are more scared to tell the truth than the people out of here the truth. The people want the truth. It is. The minister's scared to tell the truth. So how can you be effective when they saying, he, he, you know, I, I like him. He look okay. Or she look okay. But I, 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 they ain't telling me what I want to hear. They ain't giving me no answers to these problems. And I think that's Fundamentally, what's going on that we have in our city? So much. you believe that you believe that overall people want to hear the truth of the of Amen. the gospel. Amen. Well, the life? truth will or set you free. Everybody wants to yeah. be free. So the scriptures tell us that. So people want what's good for them, but sometimes people are they are they bought basically. Now I'm saying I'm saying ministers are bought. I'm just saying any human being can be bought by the devil. The devil is always selling something. That's his job. He sells every day. 24 hours a day, and then you know, no matter what you're selling, people buy. You think about the things that people buy that's not good for their body, but they still buy it. So the devil is a master salesman. He knows how to make it look good and make so many things look good. When they will harm you, hurt you, minimize the longevity of your life, 
to make it more difficult for your children to be happy. So why would we do things that make it difficult for the children to be happy? And I will say this much. I believe wholeheartedly that the African-American woman is the mother of the world. And for us to allow the mother of the world to suffer so much when we could prevent some of this by being stronger, I think we, it's incumbent upon every man, black or white, any race, any nationality, any race, faith or religious beliefs, to recognize the contribution that the woman is doing and to try to help her. I will say this, um, for my time um, knowing Mr. Julius, I haven't known him very long, but um, he is a um, very, um, he's an advocate and a supporter of um, African-American women. He's a, um, he um, loves to see uh, women succeed. Um, I will say that about him. And um, before we get ready to end this um, podcast, um, I know that you said something earlier about um, something that you do is called the cross experience. Can you tell a little bit about that and how you're um, allowing that to be give, a way to give back to the community? Yes. Well, let, let me say this to you. I tried to, to learn the Bible, understand the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, some say it's for your learning, and it is definitely for your learning. The New Testament teaches us how to live and how to forgive and how to love, which is really what we need. So for me doing things, I did some things in the Old Testament, like Abraham about the willing to sacrifice his child. And so at that point, I, I was happy fairly much what I did. And then when it came for Easter, I wanted to do something for Easter. And so I did something for Jesus Christ. And I, I, did a, I made a large cross. It's, very large. it's the largest cross. I've seen in the state that's in the ground for such an exhibit. And uh, it's an experience in itself to want to do it, and it's a blessing from the Creator to be allowed to do it. I found the tree-like piece of wood on a piece of property that a gentleman that I know very well owns, and he's out of state, so I was able to assess it. And uh, I, I had a remarkable experience toting it for blocks, and it weighed 165 to 200 pounds. At 3 o'clock in the morning, I was dragging it, so I got a chance to feel what Jesus Christ felt dragging his cross. Uh, you know, and then to put it in the ground, how far to put it in the ground, and then to stand it up. Every experience was an exhilarating experience that helped me to understand what a wonderful contribution Jesus Christ has made to humanity and how we all should appreciate it. So that is sort of the cross experience that I, and, and I had to went through. Okay, and why was it important for you to do this? Why, like, because um, we can say, you know, we can we can experience Jesus in different ways, but why was it important for you to experience that particular moment? Why did you want to experience it? Well, I wanted to experience it because of the truth that Jesus Christ suffered and how the Roman people came from another part of the world to go to the Holy Land to create suffering like African-American people are suffering and have suffered. People in Africa, here come a whole new group of people for, to their land and made them suffer. So I believe my life, our lives as African-Americans is greatly similar to the Jews' life. And so therefore, when Jesus Christ was crucified, I studied it and I believe it's symbolic of the things that African-American people have gone through. Because some African-American men did not want to participate in slavery, and they were humiliated or attempted to be humiliated and treated sort of like Jesus Christ was done. So it was important for me, for my own learning, to experience it. Oh, I think it's awesome. Um, and is it is, is the cross still? A, a, yes, sir. Okay. Um, matter of fact, I stood on it 
day before yesterday. I stood on it the day before yesterday, was it? No, no, it was yesterday I stood up on it. And quite a few people come by, and all races of people stop, and they come up and ask me, and I love what they say. When they look and they talk to me for a while, they say, God bless you. One woman passed by, she said, you're doing God's work. And so I'm so excited that that I can balance life a little bit because on one corner, you got a service station selling beer. You got a big old sign saying beer, dollar ninety-nine, And then I can have the cross on the other corner, which is sort of a balance. It's giving people a choice, and people deserve a choice. Awesome. I think people deserve a choice, too. Um, do Can people, like if they wanted to see this cross, um, is it available for yeah, them? Yeah, yeah. So it, matter, matter, they... matter of fact, you don't mind me saying so. Okay. Uh, when I saw you last, the other day, I saw something in you that is quite impressive to see a young person your age with the conviction that you have and for what you're already working on, your long-term goals and your short-term goals. I wanted you to come, but I know that you're here at the studio sometimes and you're very determined, and I don't want to do nothing to distract you from what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But I would like to let you see it. It's four blocks down this main street. When you see Sherwin Williams, you look, turn to your left, and it's a half a block on the right-hand side. So, and this is in Palm Bluff, Arkansas? Yes, um, it's in Palm Bluff, Arkansas. The address is a 16th, uh, I think it's Harding and Main Street. The exact address is 116 East Harding Street. So, if you want to um, come and experience the cross experience, um, you can go there. Um, I'm so glad that you um, decided to do this interview with me, Mr. Julius. Um, and I'd like to end the podcast with a prayer. Before we get ready to pray, is there anything else you would like to say? I just say this. Be encouraged that uh, your determination will never be wasted if you continue to be determined like you seem to be at this time to serve the Lord, serving the King. Amen. Um, we're going to go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, Lord God. Thank you for just allowing us to be able to sit and um, just talk about the things that we may be experiencing, Lord God. I pray you will give us um, all the strength, Lord God, to pick up our cross and um, follow you, Lord Jesus, um, as you give us things to bear. We thank you, Lord God, for just putting it in our hearts, Lord God, and um, allowing something to be put in the community, Lord God, as a symbol and reminder of you, Lord Jesus. You are the great Father and good and great to be and greatly to be praised. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Um, go ahead, you guys, and um, if you um, enjoy this podcast and want to see more um you can follow me on spotify um and i appreciate everything that you're doing keep on um, blessing the lord amen amen